Amen. All right, what's going on, people? Y'all all right? How many of y'all are cold? The weather, like, dropped seriously down to, like, 50 degrees and whatnot. It just got cold overnight. So, hey, all right, grab your sermon handout, grab a pen. We're going to talk about something pretty interesting. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this night. Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, we just thank you that our understandings have been enlightened and opened up to hear from you. Uh, Father God, speak to us something special tonight. Let us walk out of this room, changed and transformed by your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, amen. amen. All right, well, we're going to pick up from Luke. We're in the study on the book of Luke. Uh, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 10. So if you got your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 10. Otherwise, you can follow along. All right, now we're going to start off just reading verses like 1 through 15. So I'm just going to kind of read through them. And then we're going to hit a pretty major point, And then we're going to dissect that point a little deeper. All right? All right, so here we go. All right, so Luke chapter 10 starts off in verse 1, and it says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Now, remember a few chapters back, he sent out the 12. And the 12 went out, and he told them, don't take any food, don't take any clothes, don't take any extra clothes, you know, don't take any money, go stay with, uh, with a home there and all that kind of stuff. And they came back, and they were excited. And then they talked about the five loaves and the two fish, and the disciples didn't know what to do, you know, and that, that was like, what do you do when you just don't know what to do? And so this time he sends out the 72. And he sends out all 72 of them to places where he's about to go. And he tells them, I told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He's sending them out. And he says, go. Say, go. go. Give me a better go than that. Go. All right. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals or iPhone. Yeah. All that stuff, right? Leave all that at home. And do not greet anybody on the road. Don't even talk to people, right? And then he tells them in verse 5, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest with them. Basically meaning you go to somebody's house, you're going to be staying with them. You say peace be on this house. And if they're a peaceful person, then you guys' peace are in agreement, right? But he says next, if you go there, he says stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. And uh, that's where, if you've ever been on a missions trip, they tell you when you go on a missions trip, you eat whatever food is presented to you because you're going to be staying with another culture and in another house. That's where they get that from. So, you know, a lot of missionaries will go to other countries. They go to South Africa. They go to, you know, South America. They go to all these places, and they would eat the food presented to them. And it was like they had to because they would say the Scripture says you have to eat whatever's presented to you. But see, we're a new Christian, right? And so what we do is when we go on missions, we fast. <laughs> we just tell them, look, I can't eat that. Because some of the stuff those people will make for you, you don't want to eat. All right? And so that's where they get the scriptures from. He, and we, in verse 8, he says, when you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. See, eat whatever's, whatever's offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Verse 10, but when you enter a town and are not welcome, now this is when it gets all doomy, right? He says, if you're not welcome, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town will you wipe off your feet. I don't want nothing to do with you. As a warning to you, yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near you. I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of Sodom than for that town. And, and what Jesus is about to go into is sharing with them how the kingdom of God has come to these places, how he has gone to these certain places, and they did not accept or receive him. And because they did not receive the kingdom of God, judgment will be their form. He says, woe to Chorazan and woe to Bethsaida, 
For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. He says, but it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment. Talking about judgment. And for you, Capernaum, where he went to also, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. And then he says these fascinating words in verse 16. He says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Say, listen. Listen. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. And so we're going to talk about this topic of rejection. But I'm I'm not going to talk about it just as rejection. I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of working with rejection. Working with rejection, not just rejection itself. And you can jot down John 15, 8. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Hated me before it hated you. And I love what Lecrae says here. He says, if you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. If you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. And so in preparing for this, I talked to my wife. She's amazing. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. She's fantastic. She's gorgeous. She is just off the chain. She is my best friend. She's my closest friend. She's my, she's my everything. I mean, my wife is just all that and then some. And I can keep talking about my wife and just forget the rest of the sermon, but I'm not going to do that. All right, but check it out, right? No, and no, she's not here. I'll talk about that. If she was here, I would keep going. <laughs> all right, but check it out, right? And so she's a counselor, and I asked her about rejection. And we, we, we came up with three types of rejection in counseling. And the first one is this, social rejection. And social rejection is basically rejection from your peers, peer-to-peer rejection. You know, um, it's, it's, and especially in relationships. And when I was growing up, social rejection was basically just on the playground. You know, that's what it was. It was just on the playground, just in school. Your culture is a little different. Because you guys have, like, rejection in school, and then, you know, it's still on, it's still going on because it's on Facebook, and then it's on Instagram, and then it's on Snapchat, and then, you know, and then the next minute you wake up, and you're still dealing with the rejection. So it's, like, following you all day long. You have, like, no resistance from it. But that type of rejection is your social environment not accepting you. It's when your social environment is resisting you. That's a good word. Write that down. Resisting you. Uh, the second one is parental rejection. And usually you don't see the effects of parental rejection until you're usually in your 20s, 30s, 40s when you get older. And usually that's a conflict with your parents or in your upbringing that brings forth or brings about limiting beliefs in your life. And usually those limiting beliefs you don't see happening until you get much older. And so I'm teaching you something now at this age you can overcome it so you don't have to deal with some of the struggles that, you know, most adults have to deal with later on. Because a limiting belief is exactly that. It limits how far you can go. And the last one is, is pretty big, especially with, with young ladies, and that is personal rejection. Uh, and personal rejection is, you know, this, this phrase right here, I just don't like the skin I'm in. You know, I just don't like what I see in the mirror, or I just don't like who I am. And some, some fellas deal with this too, but a lot, of, a lot of young ladies deal with this, you know, because they feel like I'm not pretty enough, or, or I don't have the right body shape, or I don't look like this, I don't look like that, I don't look like the magazine cover, I don't, you know, all those things, and they just don't like who they are. And so they reject who they are, and that's personal 
rejection, okay? And as you go through life, as you interact with people, as you go to school and, and you grow up and you get a job, these things begin to manifest themselves in your life. And what happens is life begins to expose your weaknesses in these areas. Life begins to show you where you might have social rejection. Life begins to show you where you might have dealt with uh, parental rejection. And life begins to show you if you're dealing with personal rejections. It exposes your weaknesses. And the thing is, we have to understand that it's not, rejection's not the main issue. You know, if somebody came in the room and sat down on the front row, and they had a box of tissues with them, and they're talking like this, right? And they're sneezing. The assumption is what? They're sick, right? Now, the sneezing and the, the runny nose and all that are just symptoms, but it's not the main issue, right? You give them a box of tissues, you give them a hauls, you know, you give them some tea, all that stuff, but that's not the main issue. There's a deeper issue behind it. Rejection is not the main issue. There's actually a deeper issue behind it. See, rejection is just the outward symptom of failure. Rejection is just the outward symptom of a failure that has gone on somewhere. Now, I'm not talking about you are a failure. I'm saying a failure is something's wrong, something's not correct, something didn't happen right, something didn't work out, and it may not have even been you. You know, you may, look, fellas, you may be asking a young lady out, and she may have issues, and you don't know it. And you're thinking she's the best one in the world. She's, she, you know, she's all of this and she's all of that. And I would just love to take her to the prom. And you don't know she's crazy. <laughs> and she turns you down and you walk away heartbroken, upset, feeling bad, thinking it's you. God just saved you from a crazy woman. <laughs> and your failure to recognize that <laughs> could be the issue. See, failure doesn't mean the game is over. It means try again with experience. Or you can put this word in. Rejection doesn't mean the game is over. It means you can just try again with experience. See, one of the biggest things, if you could learn this right now, if there's anything you say, Pastor Tommy, at my age right now, what is the main thing that I can learn? If there, is there one thing that, that you could tell me that if I learn this right now, that'll make the rest of my life easier, it'll make me wealthy, it'll make me fantastic, it'll give me a beautiful home, it'll give me a fantastic future. The one thing I would tell you is this, learn from mistakes. Learn from mistakes, not just yours, but from other people's. If you can learn from not just your mistakes, but other people's mistakes, and then when you go forward, not repeat the same thing. What's the essence of insanity? Repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's insane. Try it again. Thomas Edison said this. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. Don't give up, but you just continue to try one more time. 
And see, and this helped me understand James chapter 1. I love the scripture. It says, my brothers, consider it pure joy whenever you go through trials. Consider it joy when you are faced with trials. Consider it joy when you are faced with rejection. Consider it joy when you're faced with failure. Consider it joy when you're confronted with life's resistance. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance? Well, then that changes things. Because now the question is, are your decisions in the faith? See, there's a big difference between Christ-centered decisions and self-centered decisions. See, Christ-centered, with Christ-centered decisions, you never deal with the symptoms of rejection. Because when decisions are Christ-centered, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. And even Christ said this. Even he said this, look, they're not rejecting me, they're rejecting the one who sent me. They're rejecting the one who sent me. Jesus said, whoever, whoever listens to you, listens to me. If if your word responds to you the right way, then that means they're responding to Jesus. But if they're resisting you, if they're resisting the Christ-centered decision, they're resisting God. They're not resisting you. So don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. You know, when I was working on this, I was thinking, all right, so Tommy, have you ever faced rejection? And of course, I faced rejection. But I never faced the symptoms of rejection. I never faced the feelings of rejection. And I was trying to figure out why. You know, why have I never dealt with that? But when I was younger, my mom taught me something when I was real little. There was was several things she taught me. But one thing she taught me was this. If you ever face resistance in your life, that could be God trying to shift you in another direction. When you face resistance in your life, it could be God trying to move you along another path. And so when things were anything would happen, and I faced resistance in my life, the first thing I said was, Lord, what are you showing me? What are you telling me? Where are you taking me? What did I miss in this decision? Where, where, where do I need to go? How do I need to grow? How do I need to develop? What am I missing? What's the failure in this situation that maybe I did not see, I don't understand, or something you see from a different perspective? I always look for the deeper truth inside of it. And I just don't take it personal. I just, I don't take it personal. Look here, what, let's watch this video. This video, now this is funny because, well, it's funny to me because I, I got kids. And so it's a funny video. But, um, but it's a funny video because you're going to see these parents trying to feed their daughter broccoli. And she ain't going to want the broccoli. <laughs> and instead of the parents, you know, taking it personal, thinking the baby don't want the broccoli and getting mad at her, they remain calm. <laughs> but you're going to hear what's going on inside the baby's head at the same time. Let's watch this.
<laughs> Don't take it personal. We got an airplane, everybody. I love that part. It's weird, you know, I got kids, so you know, games and all this stuff is funny. Anyway, all right, but we just don't take it personal. No, the idea is that, you know, that you're able to thrive and live long after the situation that you faced has passed. You know, my daughters, two of my daughters were in a car accident about three weeks ago, all right? And, um, and so somebody rear-ended them. It wasn't their fault. Ran into the back of them. I get a phone call saying, Daddy, you know, I was in a car accident, and I jump in the car, head down there. And, um, you know, two things is going through my head as I, as I got there. You know, one, I see the, uh, the cars, you know, dented up and everything. And um, I see the police there, and everything's kind of roped off. So the first thing I'm thinking is, oh, my God, are the, are the girls okay? Even though I talk to them, are the girls okay? And so as I'm stepping out of the car, I'm thinking, are the girls okay? And then immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, Tommy... There are police here. Do not act a fool. <laughs> I promise you it was God. Because <laughs> he knew my intentions <laughs> when I got out that car. Because <laughs> I was looking for the dude who hit my babies. <laughs> All right. And so I get there, and I didn't overreact, praise God. I did let the guy know that I was there because I spoke to him first. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, and I did show restraint. Praise God, I'm still here. Didn't get arrested. Everything's good. But here's the deal. That was three weeks ago, right? The trauma happened three weeks ago. They're still recovering from the accident. They're still dealing with pains. They're still dealing with aches. They're going to the chiropractor three times a week. I had to take them to a counselor because there was some anxiety there. There's all sorts of stuff. From The accident was three weeks ago. They didn't get into it yesterday. But they're still dealing with the symptoms of the accident. You know, many times we can get into a rejective situation. We could take it personal. We're not looking for, you know, where am I missed it. You're not making Christ-like decisions. So this whole thing's become traumatic. And then after that traumatic situation, regardless of what it is, it could be a year later and you're still dealing with it like it was yesterday. Still dealing with, I, I, I can't trust people. Why? Well, because of my last boyfriend. Well, when did y'all break up? Two years ago. Are you kidding me? <laughs> But that happens. Long after the trauma has gone by, still dealing with these symptoms of the situation. Still dealing with it. And so we've got to begin to make Christ-like decisions in everything we do so that we don't take the fault, but Christ takes the fault. We don't deal with the issue. Christ deals with the issue. We don't carry the pain. Christ carries the pain. There's a scripture that says, you know, cast your cares onto him because he cares for you. Let's go to verse 17. Verse 17 says this, the 72 returned. They came back from all this. And they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. You know, there are people who got churches where they handle snakes. Y'all ever heard of that? They got snake handling churches. That's where they got that from. They believe Jesus said you have authority to trample on snakes. And so they get a box of snakes and during worship, they dance around with snakes. It's the craziest thing in the world, considering the founder of the church died from a snake bite. <laughs> and we shouldn't laugh. But it is funny. <laughs> it's fu Die from a snake bite. And they take this literally. Anyway, all right. 
So authority trembling stakes. Verse 20 says, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submitted to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What he's saying is keep your eyes on the big picture. You know, at your age, and I tell my daughters this all the time, you know, I was once your age. They don't believe me. They, they don't believe me. I tell them, babies, I, I, was, I was 17 once. I was 18 once. I was 20 once. I promise you, they don't believe me. They think I came from zero to 40, period, that I skipped everything in the middle, all right? But at your age, I know you're looking forward this way. And so there are things that I know your parents are sharing with you that me and Pastor Stefan, Pastor Micheline, the, the staff are trying to share with you. We're telling you all these things from our perspective because when we look at you, we don't see you as 16, 17, and 18. We see you as 26, 27, and 28. And we see you at 36, 37, and 38 and older. And so everything we're looking at you from is what's the big picture in this. You know, if we're teaching something or if we see you're doing something, we're always looking at, okay, how is this going to affect their future? Because right now is just right now, but we know one day, God willing, you're going to be 48 years old. And are you going to be 48 years old and stupid? Or are you going to be 48 years old and blessed? Yeah, some of y'all, I know. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I pray for this side all the time. You know, every morning, Pastor Stefan says, you know, we got a list of names that we need to pray for every day. I just say, I just circle the guys. All right, here we go. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the big picture. Verse 21 says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Say, my eyes are blessed because I see wisdom. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it, and hear what you hear. I did not hear it. All right, we're going to close with this. Everything we talked about tonight is all a matter of perspective. It's a good word, perspective. I got three pictures up here. All right, the first picture here, when you look at it, do, how many of you see a face? All right, now how many of you see a word? Yeah. There's a word in there. Look at it and tell me when you see the word. Do you see the word? Yeah. You see it? Not yet. Look at it. Yeah. There you go. You see a word, you see a face. Here it is. All right? Everybody could look at the same exact situation. It's all a matter of perspective. The world gives you an answer to everything. The world tells you, how, to, how do you deal with rejection? When I was working on this, I read a whole bunch of stuff, and they said, you know, well, make sure that you're confident, work on being who you are, make sure you have complete understanding of the situation you're going in, don't get your hopes up too high. You know, if somebody rejects you, you know, make sure that your feelings are attacked. Don't take it personal to who you are, but at the same time, there are always outlets for that. Make sure you have a list of people you can talk to, somebody you can confide. They give you a whole list of stuff to deal with rejection. And instead of me giving you the list of stuff, I just tell you to do this. Tilt your head and look at it through the eyes of Christ. 
just look at it through, just look at it from a different perspective. The second picture, how many of you see a guy playing the saxophone? Now, how many of you see the young lady's face? Yeah. The third picture, do you see a vase or do you see two people looking at each other? You see them both. Perspective. Perspective. Yeah. And if you look at it through the right perspective, when you deal with rejection, when you deal with failure, when you deal with a resistance of life, you don't take it personal, but you see it just as a course correction. It's not rejection. It's a course correction. God's trying to steer you another direction. And if you just go, you know, I don't know why. I don't understand, but it's all right. I don't know why. I don't understand, but it's all right. I'm just going to follow God. I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to put my life in his hands. I'm just going to believe what he has. And you don't take it personal. Amen? Amen. Amen. Y'all learned something? Cool. All right, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you tonight, Lord. I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that we trust in you. Explicitly, wholeheartedly, with everything inside of us, we trust in you. And Lord, that if we are faced with resistance in our life, we don't look at it as a rejection. Father, we just look at it as a course correction. And that we pursue you in Jesus' name. With everybody's head still bowed, you know, there were three things that I talked about. I talked about um, that there's three types of rejection. And the first rejection is social rejection. The second one is parental rejection. third one is personal rejection. And, you know, with social rejection, some of you may be in here going, you know what, I do feel like my society, my world, my surroundings, my peers, my friends are rejecting me. No, I just, I, I, I feel like th that resistance is coming from them. The second one could be parental rejection. You know, I, I, me and my parents got issues with each other. The third one could be personal rejection. Well, I just, I'm, I do suffer from, from, you know, I don't like who I am. I don't like way, the way I look. I don't feel accepted. If that's you and, and you're feeling that type of rejection in any area with every head still bowed, can you just raise your hand and just let me pray for you where you're at? Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. Amen. Father, we thank you for every hand that was raised. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just call in your Holy Spirit to do work inside of hearts tonight. Father, that even as we go from this place, that they will remember these words, Lord. And when they are confronted with a situation that resists them, whether it's from their, their world or their friends or their peers, whether it's from their parents, Lord, or even whether it's from them personally, that you would go in and begin to heal their heart, heal their mind. Heal their souls. Bring truth to the situation, Lord. Show them how much you truly love them. But most of all, Father, show them how you accepted them. So, Father, that they can cast their cares onto you. So that they'll know that you love them. That you truly love them. That you truly have compassion for them. That you truly are their God. Father, we thank you for these words. Let us all walk out of this room so bold to say that we will not take it personal, but we will make Christ-centered decisions and put our faith in him. In Jesus' name, amen.